Welcome to this Jeremy Bamber and White House Farm podcast. I'm Emma Morris, PR coordinator for the Jeremy Bamber Innocence Campaign, and I am very excited to be joined today all the way from Louisiana in the United States, Malcolm Alexander. Malcolm, welcome and thank you for joining me today. So now, for those of you who don't know, Malcolm was sentenced to life without parole in 1980 uh, for the rape of a woman in Louisiana. Um, Malcolm spent 38 years incarcerated before finally being exonerated in 2018. So Malcolm, this is an absolutely horrific story. So could you give us a bit of background about how you ended up being arrested, charged and ultimately found guilty of a crime you clearly had absolutely no involvement in? All dealing with identification thing. They have an old saying here where they say all black people look alike. And in my case, they say I look like the man who actually had committed a rape against the victim. And um, the evidence that they used against me was totally all identification evidence. And there was even evidence where it showed where she didn't identify me as it was being testified to, but they still went on and convicted me. And then you have to look at, I had what they call um, an all-white jury on top of being the only um, black male in the courtroom at the time or only black person outside of my family. Uh, that um, And you had this white female there saying that I was the one that raped her. And, and, the, and the weird thing about it, all of it was that it wasn't so much that she picked me out of the lineup, it was that the police or uh, the detective was the one that really suggested that I might be the perpetrator. Right, yeah, yeah. Didn't she, initially, she wasn't sure, was she? When she, she, she seemed to get more sure as time went on, which she's, she's just recognizing the picture she's seen, she's seen of you, isn't she? So she oh, wasn't first, was she? Yes, ma'am, correctly. By me being in uh, several different lineups, the only one that constantly reappearing and reappearing, her, her, her unsure became to positive because now you constantly seeing the same face in each lineup that you being shown. That, you can't help but somewhere in there formulate saying that, yes, this is the man that raped me. Do you think the police believed it was you or do you think they just wanted to convict somebody quickly of, of what was, you know, ultimately a brutal crime? I just think they wanted to convict someone. They know it wasn't me. I even was offered a plea bargain and by me knowing that I didn't do it, I wouldn't uh, accept the plea bargain. Okay. I stood on my innocence and I, st I still stand the day on it. Absolutely, absolutely. And how long was the trial? Uh, we could say we had a one day trial. I think we started around about sometime that morning, around about nine, 10 o'clock that morning, and we finished up around about four o'clock. So you were we convicted and sentenced to life without the possibility of parole on a, a witness statement saying initially, I'm not sure, but I think it might be him. She became sure over time, and you were, you were given life without parole. Uh, uh, on a hearing that lasted just a few hours. 
just just a few hours. That's you know, a- you got to eat also you got to consider we broke for lunch at noon and by and by the time we made it back and they uh, concluded and they went deliberated, came back, and I was guilty. It was just all in one day. And to show how things were so really messed up in my case that I was sentenced, it got a time period that you have to wait after the trial to be sentenced, but I was sentenced before that time period was up. So they wind up, have to bring me back after a couple of years to dismiss my life sentence and re-sentence me again to the same life. Wow, that's horrendous. Oh, thank you, Malcolm. So, Malcolm, it, it took 38 years, 38 long years for you to finally obtain your justice. Why was it so hard for you to get, get your voice heard? You know, what were the stumbling blocks? Because I think even more tragically in this case, the evidence was there from the very beginning that you didn't commit this crime. Yes, ma'am. Well, the thing is, when I first was convicted, it didn't have what they call DNA. And 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 in my in my filing, in my appealing, I was constantly fighting against uh the identification itself to show where the identification was tainted, it was faulty, it was suggested. You know, and I couldn't get any headway. I was constantly being denied on that. And so when DNA finally came out, then I say, all right, this is a new avenue because there never was any blood comparison work done in my case as well. You know, they went to consider, they went to saying about all the evidence was uh, used up during analyzation of it and stuff like this. They all determined whether or not it was uh, spermatosa and, and things that nature that, you know, whether it was semen or whatever. But the thing, my, my main thing was when the DNA come out, then all right, I have a whole new avenue of approach now. I have a whole new, I say, direction to go in. And so when I went to writing pertaining to just any, uh, how you say, material or any evidence that was collected at the scene of the crime, I was constantly being told that all the evidence has been destroyed. Mm, you that's- know, and and. And from that, I never, that still didn't deter me. It did not stop me from filing action about the evidence. And for the, and, and you could say for the past uh, 30, 35 years, because I got out in uh, 2018. The evidence was found in 2015, 2015, yeah, 2015, 2016, that they finally found the evidence that was, that they finally found evidence that was actually uh, pertaining to my case in, the, uh, in what do you call it, sir, in Jefferson Parish uh, evidence room. Right. But anytime, yes, ma'am. Anytime before that, they was constantly uh, saying that all the evidence was destroyed. I even received a letter for the custodian of the evidence department telling me that the evidence was, dest- it was destroyed prematurely 
accidentally. And it wasn't because you found it. Exactly. And that's my advice to anyone. Do not never give up. Just because they say something, that don't mean that it's that. You know, I learned that because not everybody in the justice system is really out to do their job. No, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's a thing. And it's a thing of, um, uh, you would say luck. It's a thing of prayer being answered. You know, it's a faith to God that someone will get the job to do their job. Not just there to get a check or anything like this here, but to actually be there and be dedicated to the job. That's why I have to add this in. That's what makes a difference with y'all. Y'all are dedicated to Innocent Project. Y'all are dedicated. Yeah, and it's, we see it time and time again. Disclosure of, of evidence is is a major factor in miscarriages of justice cases. We're still fighting disclosure in Jeremy's case. We've three court orders uh, compelling Essex police to hand over documents, evidence, exhibits, and they they still refuse. They will not hand them over. And, it, you know, it's so frustrating, but you're hearing your story, evidence has gone missing, then it turns up, you know, it's a, it's a very familiar, familiar story, but thank goodness that some, like you say, somebody did do their job and that, that DNA was found. Did, was there ever a time where in, in the 38 years where you felt, you know, you, know, you, you couldn't fight or you, was there ever a time where you thought, I'm going to give up, I can't do this? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. At nap time, I know I didn't do it. And like you say in the Bible, the truth will prevail. And, and this is why I'm actually here today. And like I say, my advice to anyone that's out there, never give up, never stop. Um, the law, you know, it's only going to work for certain people at a certain time. But at the same time, you know, somebody going to step in and say, this is the right way that this supposed to go. And that's going to be your prayer, your answer to your prayer. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. So, Malcolm, obviously, 2018, you were completely exonerated. DNA evidence proved that you were not the perpetrator of this rape. You spent 38 years, you know, from, your, from a young man um, in your early 20s, to your late 50s incarcerated for something you didn't do i'm assuming you you how much compensation did you get i'm, I'm guessing you must have got millions and millions and millions of dollars for such a, a, an outrageous miscarriage of justice no ma'am i didn't get millions millions of dollars actually i didn't get a dollar the only money that i actually received was the money that i was able to save uh, working in an institution for four cents an hour from that I had to come out, get a job, and work to get my life together best I can. But just because uh, DNA proved you're innocent, you don't all the time just get money like that. A lot of people be underneath the impression that you do, but that's a false impression. Um, yeah. As stand the day, you know, I went to work six months after being free. Uh, that is. is is diabolical. It's absolutely appalling that your, you know, your country has, has treated you so 
so badly for 38 years, locked you up for a crime you didn't commit. And then, you know, and I know it's not about the money, it's about being with your family and your loved ones, but ultimately you've been denied a, a, a career. You've been denied for 38 years a, a, a means to make make a career for yourself and earn all the money for yourself. And that, that should be the least you're entitled to from, from the state. I think people will be really surprised and shocked to hear that that you haven't received a penny in or a dime in compensation. That's that's terrible. Yeah, tell me about it, cause you, you have to understand a man coming out of out of an institution who's been there long as I have, you know, and like I say, it's innocent is 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 hard, cause he have to get over the mental aspect of actually being there for that many years for something he didn't do. And so now he had been placed out there in society with little to no help, you know, outside of that actually comes from innocent project, people such as yourself, is that he's trying to put his life back, he's trying to put his life back together because 38 years is a, is a period of time that a person can actually be in a retired offer job. You know, yeah. he actually, his, you know, his home, his vehicle, you know, things in his life were being, been accomplished in, in his uh, later years in life that, uh, and me and that the conversation would actually kind of like put me right there, but it would never erase what I actually endured for them 38 years. No, absolutely, absolutely. And and ultimately, you had to come out back where you very, very first started um, as a as a 21 year old trying to make a career in it's, your late 50s. In my late 50s, exactly, exactly right. You know, Right now, I should actually be considered retiring off a job. I make yeah. sixty-two. I make sixty-two next month over in December, which is December. And uh, at a man being 62, 60, let's say sixty-five, uh, you know, you normally will work up to you about sixty-five. Yeah. But I'm starting out as a man right now, as you would say, in his twenties, just coming out of high school. And I'm I'm like I started well I got out at 58. I start working. Uh, actually, I start working before I turned 59. Cause I got out in January, and six months right before I actually turned 59, I had to start I had to start back working. Cause like I said, I didn't receive no compensation, and my family they they was there very supportive and everything of me, but. I come from a life where I depended on me to take care of me, even though I was living inside the institution where you could say room and board are free, but it's, it's not as free as a lot of people think because this time off your life, especially if you're innocent, that you is paying for this shit. I'm paying for this shit with my life. I'm paying for this with for my freedom. So now you say actually 38 years later, I'm 58. So now I'm coming out to try to catch up on some type of, uh, how you say, stability, you know, go and get a job. They're trying to get some foundation underneath me. And without no conversation, that uh, actually, it, it hurts. It hurts because I have unforeseen expenses. 
It's even like the vehicle, you know, it's like, what if the uh, transmission go out? What if the motor, uh, what if I catch a flat? You know, just common things in life that people actually have set aside money and prepared themselves for that I'm at this age, at this stage is trying to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely scandalous that, that you've been treated that way, Malcolm. Right. So, so what about now, Malcolm? I mean, you, you've been out since 2018. Um, what's life like for you now? How are you? How have you coped with, with obviously, the, the huge injustice that, that had happened to you? Well, I'm not bitter. And the reason I'm not better, because one, I have been reunited with my family and everything. And two, that they have people such as y'all that, I mean, you know, for, for a person to really, you know, how you say, be mad with the world over what happened to them. Well, it wasn't the world that did it. It just only was a few few people, a handful of people. You know, it was a system, which is a broken system. but. The thing is, now it's like it's just taking one day at a time, you know, one step here, one step there. And I just try to focus in on the main things, you know, in life, you know, I mean, making sure, you know, I have a roof over my head, something to eat, you know, being mm -hmm. trying to put myself in a position where I'm comfortable as possible. Fantastic. How did it, I mean, you, when you came out, um, you know, I, I saw, I saw the video of you you hugging your your son as a free man for the first time since he was what two years old how did two that years old oh that felt wonderful mm. and to be honest with you actually the first day that i stepped out of the uh courtroom out of the building and stuff like this yeah it was like really stepping into a light you know i was like blinded you know i don't know it looked like the lighting inside the prison is dimmer than the lighting that is out in the uh, society because I was blind. It's like this a new life, this a new beginning and to be reunited with my son after so many years, it was it was like unbelievable. You know, we, I have spoken with him on the phone. He was coming to see me here and there and it always was one of the questions that he had asked me, that when you're coming home, when you're coming home, you know, and sometimes, you know, it was hard to answer. Sometimes I didn't answer, you know, not not giving him a direct quick, uh, answer, but that actually to be able to hold him in my own, even as a man, you know, I still can remember him as my baby, you know, as my child. Yeah. Oh, you're a remarkable man, Malcolm, really. If if you could, obviously, Jeremy um, has been in prison for 36 years. So um, in, if he's still there in two years, we absolutely hope he's not. But he'll have equaled your, your time in prison. If, if you could give him one piece of advice on the outside world when we when we get him home, what, what would that be? Remember one thing, I believe that even you just can't accept the fact that y'all did get him out and now he is a free man. He can go and do anything that he want to do. It's actually through y'all that actually helps him to readjust to society. Um, never, never leave the family. Stay within the family. Fantastic. That, that's great. 
Um, Malcolm, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. You are a remarkable, very brave, wonderful man. And I, I just want to say thank you for, for being here today and spending some time with me. I've really enjoyed it. You're welcome. I appreciate, I appreciate you believing. But like I always say, it makes the difference. Y'all believe in us. You know, even though our family believe in us, but you got to understand, you know, that's family. Family going to support family. But see, when you get someone outside the family that believe in you, that trust you, uh, and then just saying this because they're getting a check or then saying this because they're on some form of uh, guilt trip or anything of their own, it's because they know there's a lot of injustice in the world and they and you were fortunate enough to be one that they found and you found them. And for that, that's why I say to Jeremy, stick with the family. It's one thing to have relatives, but it's a whole nother thing to consider people that is not of your bloodline relatives. And they proven themselves to be more of a relative than your relatives sometimes. Well, that's certainly certainly the case with um with with Jeremy, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Well, I will leave you to your your the rest of your day and I really appreciate this this chat. Oh, I'm going to work. You're going to work. Oh, okay. Oh, yes, ma'am. I'm on my way. I'm on my way to work. I, you know, I, I got about an hour left before I have to uh, start getting dressed and stuff for work. But I'm on my way to work. Oh well, I I won't keep you anymore. You you've been an absolute star, and it's been a pleasure to meet you. And I will, you know, I will keep following your story. And you know, I really hope that. Your, your appeal goes well and you get the compensation you deserve. Thank you, ma'am. And I hope that everything works out with Jeremy, you know, and if you want to, you, know, you I think you have my address and everything. And if Jeremy want to write to me or whatever have you, you know, I'm more than happy to ask him and have oh. him write to me. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. I will oh, yeah. that. I will tell him that. And I just wanted, before we go, just, uh, you know, uh, I can't go without giving a massive shout out to the Innocence Projects. They they do just an amazing, amazing job when, you know, other people may have given up or they're there, aren't they? They're, they're there working tirelessly to help innocent people get their, get their freedom and get their convictions overturned. Yes, yes, they are, ma'am. Like you say, because I had numerous lawyers. Yeah, I mean, my mother on the cashed in uh, insurance policy and all types of things in the pay for different lawyers, different investigators. And, you know, and none of it ever worked it, you know. And here come along the Innocent Project with the support of the citizen. And I mean, what more, you know, and, and like I say, it's a job that's being done from the heart. It ain't being done because of the pocket. It's being done because they believe. And, they, and it's people who they actually help getting out that they believe in. They truly believe. It ain't just because of the evidence. Because the evidence don't sometimes be there all the time. It don't be there in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, but in the end, the evidence does turn up. And when they go to these people, when they come to me, it ain't that I had the evidence in my pocket and I said, oh, I got it set right here with me. They believe in what I have said. 
and that makes the world different. You know, when you didn't do it, you know, then we gonna we gonna look into this show. And that's the beginning of believing. Yeah, fantastic. Malcolm, I'll let you get to work. Thank you so much and all the very, very best for the future. Yeah, to you too. Don't forget Thanks. to tell Jeremy holler at me if he can. I will do. I shall tell him. Thank you so much. And thank Bye. you. Bye, Malcolm. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to do something to help Jeremy Bamber, then sign our online petition to the Home Secretary for the disclosure of case documents still withheld by Essex Police. Visit www.change.org and search for Jeremy Bamber. And don't forget to share the link with your friends and family. Thank you.